You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 298th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 955th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 6th, 2023. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. I started the day with very little idea of what the banner moment would be, but as so often has been the case, Calvert Chaney comes to the rescue for everyone and held immediate availability today uh, about his new role with the program and uh, just a, a great chance to, to see him in IU gear uh, is always exciting for, for folks who grew up with him like Jared and I did uh, and, and had some interesting things to say you know, about his role, about uh, what brought him back to Bloomington and, and really said one of the questions was essentially what the determining factor was. And he said, Woody uh, was his answer. And uh, so great to see uh, his excitement about the program that Woody's building had great things to say about the staff and, uh, you know, jokingly talked about being with uh, Holes and Woodson as the, you know, the three IU guys and, and made sure uh, to note that both of those guys should, would admit that he's the better player. So uh, always good to hear that and, and had some interesting things to say about this year's team. Uh, one, you know, talked about uh, one of the questions asked him about his time with the uh, 2013 team. And he said he sees a lot of the same abilities uh, and that there's a lot of potential on this team and even reference the potential to be better than last year's IU team if things come together well. And I think that's one of the areas that he comes in uh, trying to handle that and, and talked about his goal really to, to help the players be successful uh, and ex- excited about how some aspects of this role have changed over time and that he gets to work a bit more directly with the players on court. Uh, and as he talks about, you know, the head and the heart determining success uh, and, and those things, I, I just was, uh, you know, excited to see, you know, him back in that role and uh, even had an, an interesting anecdote about Woodson uh, going through, uh, you know, talking to him when he was going through a little bit of a tough time at the beginning of his junior year, had played a lot of basketball in the summer. Uh, for uh, I think the World University Games, uh, he referenced and and uh, had a talk with Woodson. Said their relationship just really bloomed from there. So it feels like all around a good fit, uh, great ambassador for the program, and uh, a guy that we're all excited to see uh, work with these players and, and see what he can pass along. But certainly seems to be passionate about the opportunity and excited about it. And uh, I think I speak for all IU fans. We say we're glad to have him. So welcome back. Calbert once again, and uh, and it was great to see the the media availability of him today. And look forward to what he's going to do with the team and the program. With that, let me introduce my co-host for this week. Jared is taking the week off, although I will note that he did uh, put out a podcast with Damon Bruce uh, earlier today. I listened to probably the first twenty minutes and um, got some insight on, on kind of how Trace is going to fit with the Warriors from Damon, who's in the Bay Area. So I would encourage everybody to listen to that. Not just because uh, Damon said that uh, he often gets 
my theme music in his head, uh, which Bob Thompson, I know on Twitter took as a, uh, as a real compliment as, as being able to, to get, to get a song in somebody's head is a great compliment to musicians. So, uh, good stuff from that so far, looking forward to the, uh, to the rest of it, uh, as they get into some other things related to IU. So I would encourage everybody to listen to that if you're missing Jared's voice this week. Uh, but I do have with me a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bractology. And a man who has declared that he will only go over to threads if the Indiana account promises to post off-season hype, off-season hype workout videos there. He is. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time so He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, what's on your mind this week? Uh, you know, not a, not a whole lot. Uh, interesting to see the schedule come out, the non-conference schedule come out in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you you know, since I've been on, the, the draft uh, occurred, and, and it's good to see Indiana represented in the draft uh, and, and watching those young men now start their, their summer league and their quest to play in the NBA. And then just to know, guys, that uh, the players are working uh, to get better for, for next year. And we have a lot of hope and we have a lot of also questions of how all of this is going to fit together. And you know that they're in the gym working and and they're, you know, using Cook Hall and their personal basketball trainers and all of that stuff to get shots up and to get better. And as time passes, then we get to see them here uh, in about two or three months uh, when practice starts. So not a whole lot of knowledge, uh, but a lot of speculation. And, and that's not bad sometimes uh, in during the summer. Absolutely. And also here with us is a senior writer for The Big Lead, a freelance shot doctor, still looking for his first client, and a man who started asking people to refer to him as the Shohei Otani of online content, to which we say, no, I would have preferred this were written uh, as the Ellie Dilla Cruz of online content, but that's, you know. That's just me. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, uh, I don't know that there's anything to rant about, certainly not in the world of IU basketball, so you can feel free to rant about other things or uh, just give us your uh, your thoughts on the on anything going on in the in the Hoosiers. Well, first of all, if you're going to refer to me as the Elliot De La Cruz of online content, uh, I don't need a performance-enhancing cap on my bat, but I will use one if necessary from time to time, so just to get that out there. <laughs> Don't need it, but I mean, if I if, just if it don't gives let me Dave an, Martinez find out about it, gives first. me an advantage. Why not? Why not? There's no one. There's no one testing for anything here. Um, you know, I think it was great to watch Jalen Hutchinson play a little uh, summer league ball for for the uh, the Lakers uh, out here. I he looked kind of tight in the first game in the first half. I think it was pretty pretty expected for a, a young guy you know, after his freshman year, you know, playing in the league and, and, and in, in the summer league, I mean, and, and it seemed that he got real comfortable in the second half and looked pretty good in that first game. And I thought he looked better in the second game. Uh, also facing off against old friend, uh, Chase Audige, uh, in the, uh, in the opener worth noting, um, who knocked down, of course, cause he was playing an IU guy knocked down four of seven threes and wound up with 18 points in like 20 minutes, but, uh, fitting. Just fitting. Yeah. But I'm it was sure, nice to see. I'm sure they were all really quality shots, too. I'm sure none of them he was like falling backwards yeah. or into the bench yeah. or something when he knocked him in. 
But I liked watching Jalen uh, Jalen play, and and he took you know too many shots. He still hasn't hit a three yet in summer league, but you know that'll come again. The three point line's longer in the NBA, and he's so good at the mid range. He's really going to need to work to get to that uh, that next level. But I really like the guys around him, uh, and I think the guys that will be with him. I, I assume Jalen's going to start in the G League, uh, just given how deep the the Lakers are at guard right now, and they added Gabe Vincent, so the second unit is not going to be his. Gabe Vincent's going to get that. I assume he starts in the G league and, and hopefully maybe by halfway through the year, he's, he's getting some reps, but you know, he's surrounded by guys like, like Colin Castleton was a really nice player at Florida as a big man who can run the floor and stuff. I think that'll be a good guy. You know, a, a big man who can move will be a good pair with, with Jalen Cole Swider's a nice three point shooter. Maxwell Lewis is a good, you know, athletic guy off the wing. Uh, Max Christie, I think is going to make the Lakers roster. Uh, but even if not, that that's a nice backcourt mate to play with, you know, for the rest of summer league and potentially in the G League a little bit too. So, I, I like the guys around him to help him get better. I think that 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 sort of secondary roster of the Lakers fits him well. And the thing with Jalen is he always needed time to develop. He did. There was more development to do there. You saw him get better over his freshman year, but he wasn't an NBA point guard at the end of his freshman year. He had the size. He has the instincts and all of that. But there's areas of his game he needs to iron out before he's ready to take on that responsibility. Now, if he were on the Spurs where they don't care about winning, he'd probably be in the NBA this year. But he got drafted by a Lakers team that's going to try and compete for the Western Conference. So it'll likely be that he'll get fewer. He'll get less playing time. Uh, but he's also with a franchise that's really good at developing players and making players better. If you look no further than Austin Reeves, who was an undrafted free agent, and just got $50 million. So I think it's a good spot for him. And, and I think I like the guys around him to help him develop. If it's not going to be with the superstars, it's good that it's a nice mix of players that fit his game well. All right. Appreciate the uh, Lakers talk here. Luckily, we have Ryan as our, our West Coast correspondent for just this, uh, just such an occasion as we as we move forward with Jalen out there. So uh, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a second. But uh, this week on the Assembly Call, we've got a few things coming up. We'll hit some Hoosier headlines, uh, a lot of which is uh, has to do with Hoosiers in the NBA. Then segment two, we'll do our offseason breakdown of CJ Gunn. And in segment three, we'll answer a few of your questions with our mailbag. So all of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. And this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where you'll find they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison, this fine IU a women's Big Ten Champ shirt that I'm wearing right now, and uh, pretty much anything else you could think of from an IU perspective. And uh, even if you're not an IU fan, or if you have people in your life who like people other than IU, uh, they have something unique uh, for fans and grads of pretty much every school. Vintage logos, uh, great designs, and uh, and comfortable shirts, sweatshirts, uh, anything you need. So no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. And what can be better than that? Uh, they, they continue to roll out new schools. I believe today was uh, UT Chattanooga came out. Uh, they've got refreshes for a number of schools coming up. I believe this weekend is Notre Dame and Penn State. Uh, you can find out about all of that by signing up for their uh, email alerts uh, for different things. You can go to homefieldapparel.com, though. And use promo code HOME to get 15% off of your entire first order. 
Again, that's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Mentioned we had a, a text uh, last weekend. Coach has become a professional concert goer in the offseason. And so he has. sends us a picture of himself with a fan of the show wearing a Let's Go P Austin P shirt. Uh, and I, as I said, you know, coach mingling with his people wearing home field apparel is, uh, is, you know, what summer, summer's all about summer at its finest. Absolutely. If home field, if home field apparel wants to corner a San Diego market, they should do a, we don't need a conference San Diego state shirt because apparently <laughs> they won't have a conference next year. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Um, Maybe a slight miscalculation on there. Oh, we'll just a little bit. The lawyers are going to yeah. make so much money on that one. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Who's your headline? So, you know, like I said, mostly NBA stuff at this point. Uh, talked about Jalen, the Lakers. Uh, they're 0-2 in the summer league. Um, he's playing point guard, I, I think, was a bit more efficient in the second game. I believe had 20 points in that game. Uh, you know, a handful of rebounds, a few assists. Uh, so, you know, Ryan, Ryan broke that down pretty well. You know, as Jared put it here, it's about what you'd expect. Kind of uneven, show some flashes of, of getting to the rim, showed some improvement from game one to game two, just getting a little more comfortable. I think a lot of that is nerves, uh, as Ryan mentioned, but a, a decent start for him as he you know, works his way to the next level. Uh, you've got Trace signed a four-year deal with the Warriors, including two years guaranteed. Missed uh, the first couple games with a hamstring injury but I believe is expected to make his debut this weekend. Uh, and in other uh, player news, Victor goes to Oklahoma City. OG still in Toronto, but is a, a potential trade candidate there. Thomas Bryant goes to Miami. Uh, Cody Zeller leaves Miami, goes to New Orleans. Uh, Eric Gordon signs with the Suns. And Romeo Langford, uh, San Antonio declined to extend him a qualifying offer, so he is officially a free agent. I know Rick Bozich had something written up about that earlier today uh, as I kind of look forward to what's next with him. But, uh, you know, coach, any, uh, I'm not sure if you watch much summer league, any, any takes on any of the transactions that really stood out to you from an IU uh, for or alumni perspective? Yeah, a couple. Um, very happy with where Trace Jackson Davis landed. And I know there was some talk after the draft about being disappointed that he quote fell from where everyone thought, well, this is a young man who for a couple of years wasn't even going to get drafted. And he went back and worked on his game and got it to a, a level where the some teams in the NBA would appreciate. And, and, you know, Golden State traded back to get into him. So the third or fourth last pick, it doesn't matter. When you look at some of the bigs that weren't picked in Sheway, uh, Timmy, uh, Sonogo from, from UConn, uh, the post play is just uh, intriguing in the league and that's filtering down uh, to the college game uh, that you know that's part of uh, Jared asked a really good question about uh, that came up from last week's show about uh, Mbako at the four or the three and all of those are traditional basketball things but the game's trending smaller and athletic at every spot not not so much at the guard spot but at the bigs you're not looking for your seven two post-up guys anymore so very pleased uh, that that you know Trace came back, gave a lot to Indiana, come back a couple years, has put Indiana back to uh, the path of where Indiana basketball belongs. And for him to get drafted, I think that was just out outstanding. And the one, uh, again, I'm not huge into the league until uh, playoffs, but I love the way Miami plays. And I think Spolstra is just a great coach. And I know they came up short in the NBA uh, championship, but to see Thomas Bryant go there, it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he can 
you know, uh, create or find uh, with Miami, if if any. But I, I do kind of I do kind of like that, and you know, the, the older guys, uh, you just hope they can find a spot where they can play and win. But Thomas Bryant to Miami was the one that that caught my eye. I'd like to see him continue to do well in the league. Heat culture. Yep, Ryan. What about you? Any of those transactions kind of stand out as a particularly good fit or particularly intriguing to you? I'm looking very much forward to seeing Trace. I think he debuts Friday, right? He debuts tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, right? With the, with the Warriors. I just I, think, yeah, I think that's the the thought. If he's yeah. good enough to go, that it would be tomorrow. Yeah, I I I look forward to that fit, and the, you know the fact that they gave him that four year deal. It's it's a two year guarantee, so it's a two year deal. Let's be real, it, you know. It, but the fact that they're going to put a, they're going to roster him, you know, he's not a G League guy. They they drafted him to play him, and you're right about that, coach. You know, he fell, quote unquote, and and he did. We all had him projected in the 30s. You know, most people, some people had him in the back of the first round, but I didn't talk to anybody in the NBA who thought that was going to happen. They thought he would be somebody early in the first round that you know a non-playoff team might get to sort of wrangle their young guys a little bit and be the mature rookie um and other people said like well no somebody will trade up to the early 30s if they really want him and he just kept falling and i texted you guys i said man this is starting to feel like because because once you get into that 40 45 range all those teams back there are playoff teams that typically go high upside they don't go for established talent they go for the guy from Europe that can jump out of the gym. I mean, you know, because they already have a full roster. If they're in the playoffs, they're usually in the playoff hunt. They usually have a full roster. They have the eight guys they run with, and then they try and, you know, shoot the moon with somebody on the back end. And, you know, it didn't look good. And all of a sudden, when I saw there was a trade-up, I was like, oh, please have this be for Trace. And it was the Warriors, and, and that's a fit. It's a fit because they like mature players. The Warriors have always liked mature players. Um, so also the idea that that guy's going to be on the roster practicing against those guys, and who's somebody that a lot of people compared him to was Draymond Green. It was like, you know, his path to success is kind of like what Draymond – just do everything. Do a little bit of everything. You don't have to shoot the ball out. You don't have to shoot the lights out. Play hard. Play smart. He's not the defender Draymond is, is the ability to play out on the floor and all that stuff. He might get there, but he's not there. But that's the guy you got to model against. Be a good passer. Get rebounds. Run the floor. Carve out. Be a tough guy. Carve out in the post. You know, those things are what he has to mimic. It kind of do everything if you're undersized at that position. So it's great that that's the fit. Now, if Hopefully Draymond likes him because Draymond will ice people out if he doesn't like him. But I think that there might be a case where he sees a lot of himself in Trace and and maybe can be a a light version of 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 him and and see what he can do. But I, I think it's a great fit the way the Warriors run their offense up and down. You know he'll do a lot be a, in the pick and roll a lot, getting to go to the hoop, just be a hustler, a backside shot blocker, a rebounder, and then run the floor. And they will get you the ball if you're on the court. Yeah, that was one of the things that in the first part of the Damon Bruce interview that stood out, and you mentioned it, Ryan, was maturity, that that's something that the the Warriors clearly value. And, um, you know, look at the guys they've drafted. I mean, you look at the guys they've drafted. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, you're good. You're good. But, 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 I mean, you're not sorry. Look at the guys they've they've drafted that haven't been successful there. It's James Weissman was super young. He was the number two pick. It just didn't work out because those guys expect more than an immature kid. Jonathan Kuminga, all potential, young, didn't really, hasn't really found his spot there. 
Uh, Jordan Poole, regardless of his age, was wildly immature on and off the court. They don't like those guys in that locker room. They really don't. They want guys who are going to step in ready to help them compete for a championship, not guys who are going to have to be shown the way to act like a, you know, a veteran. And Trey, if anybody in this draft knew how to act like a veteran, Trace Jackson Davis has been doing that since he was a sophomore. So, um, you know, I, I, ju- I do think it's a great fit personality-wise and all of that. Uh, I think it'll be great. Yeah, that was one of the things they talked about is, you know, with Wiseman and Kaminga, both raw hadn't been in it hadn't seen as many situations as you know trace has seen on the basketball court and some of those kinds of things so you know all you can really ask at that point is that you get yourself in a good position to get the chance to succeed and it certainly seems like they intend to give him that chance and so uh certainly look forward to him you know getting over this uh, minor hamstring injury and being able to move on from there uh the only other real news from iu perspective uh is recruiting so you've got iu coaches on the road for the july evaluation period the first one of those um, so I know there's been a number of tweets about uh, guys that they've watched uh, over the last uh, couple of days. I think with Peach Jam going uh, and, and all those kinds of things. So uh, I don't know that you're going to find any, you know, tremendous news there. Uh, all college coaches are out watching the guys that they've prioritized and the, and the top prospects. So uh, the fact of who they're watching probably is not going to come as a shock to anybody. It's it's a bunch of guys that IU is already uh, proving to be pretty pretty high on and in on, but. Uh, is an important part and uh, good for them to be out, be seen uh, and uh, see what happens from there. So uh, I think that is it for who's your headlines on a pretty light, uh, you know, early July episode, but uh, coming up, when we uh, come back on assembly call radio, we're going to discuss CJ gun as we continue our off season previews. So we'll talk about him and what to expect in his sophomore season. So stick with us here on the assembly call. We'll be back in a minute. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right. Good evening, everybody. Chat mob, welcome. Yeah, I, I'm interested in the Thomas Bryant fit in Miami as well. Um, It'll be good for him. I think anytime you can – yeah, I think he's he's gotten kind of flashes here and there of, of opportunities and um, – you know, I think for an organization like that to see something in you probably says a lot, a little bit of the same, you know, we talked about with Trace of being in a good situation of, uh, see, you know, see what he can do as a, as a backup big there. Yeah. No. And, and I think it'll be the kind of thing where early in the season Trace is, is maybe getting a couple minutes a game, but if he can prove his value, uh, they're going to play him. 
I mean, they're a smart organization. If guys fight and claw and are going to be out there playing hard, especially in the regular season, I don't think he'll get playoff minutes. But in the regular season, they would love for him to eat minutes from somebody else and give guys rests. I mean, they're, again, smart organization that's not going to wear their guys out. They know they're going to be there come playoff time as long as they're remotely healthy and they can make a run. I mean, last year, I mean, look at last year. They were, like, not considered a contender. They got to the playoffs, got everybody right, and won a title. I mean, that that's their potential every year if they're in the playoffs. They're tough to play, and those guys bring it when they have to. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Thomas, it's the same thing, man. If he plays the way he's capable, he's going to be on that roster. I wish he would have gotten more minutes in Denver, but when was Jokic coming off the floor ever? You know I mean? Like, you know, yeah. it's hard to establish yourself a rhythm when, you know, um, Bam gets in foul trouble a lot for, for the heat here and there. I, and he can play with Bam, quite frankly, because he can move out on the floor and Bam can't leave five feet. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good fit for him as well. Victor going back to Oklahoma City. He's got some bad memories of being Oklahoma City. It didn't go well the first time. I'd be nice for him to exercise some of those demons. But they brought him in as a veteran for those young guys. You know, I mean, they have a very young team and he's a former all-star. So, I think that's a that's a pretty decent fit too if he's going to continue to play. Yeah, yep, I had agreed. Uh, something coming out in the community maybe next week. Uh, I have a local guy here who's getting into basketball training. Well, he has been for several years, um, and he's just starting. To, uh, well, not starting. He's stretching out. And Rob Finnessy uh, called him up the other day, and and so I get a text from uh, this guy, but he's asked me to stop by a couple times. I've been to his workouts and. Couple Purdue guys, a Butler guy, um, Stony Brook. Uh, it's real, been really interesting to prepping see. for the next level or or, or college development. Th- these college kids are getting ready for their next season, um, even when they're doing local college workouts. So they'll gotcha. go do their school stuff and then they'll come uh, and do this guy. But he does a lot of international pros, um, guys gotcha. that Makes aren't sense. playing in the NBA. He'll they'll come to him in the off season and he'll he'll train them. Uh, and it's just uh, he's got a couple barns uh, in, at his house, and he redid, redid all the flooring and everything. And these guys will drive. Okay, uh, that might know. be the most Indiana sentence it ever is. uttered it, on, it, on, on 100%. the assembly call. <laughs> yeah. he, he's a basketball trainer, has a couple Some, barns on his property. Couple, yeah, I mean, sometimes the stereotypes are true. I mean, there's only you know. But the thing that I took away from it is, I thought everybody had a basketball gym in their barn when I moved to Indiana. I just yeah. thought that was the way it was. See? These guys don't have top, you know, they're not starters. Uh, maybe a couple here or there, but, you know, they're D1 players that are trying to get better, and they're constantly working at their game. You know, it's not just uh, going to practice at your, you know, Big Ten school and the workouts that they have for them and the, and the strength and conditioning. If you're really serious about your craft, you're working on it yeah. a lot each day. Um I, I- and the talent is is yeah. so – I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, yeah, you're coming off the bench at a Big Ten school. But, man, these workouts are outstanding, right? Here's and the thing. so it tells you what Hood Shafino and Trace and these guys are doing. But, man, these young guys in college are working. And if yeah. they're worthwhile, they're working and working and working. It's been It's oh. been a fun summer. I've been able to do that a couple times. The most illuminating thing for me, Coach, over the past five to ten years is finding out how hard – the guys on the end of the bench and even the walk-ons work just to maintain, just to stay on the team, just to stay at Indiana. 
or just, and yeah. you don't see that as a fan, you hear about practice, but you're not, you know, sometimes now with TikTok and things like that, they're showing themselves doing that. And you're kind of like, Oh wow, this guy actually, this works really hard. These guys are all working so hard just to stay at this level. Not even yep. to get to the next one. The next one, you've got to have that Victor work ethic. Where I remember I was around Bloomington that summer, Victor, uh, sophomore to junior year. And we started hearing whispers of Victor's insane workouts. And there have been many articles written on that. But he was working out five hours a day to get better, minimum. And that was like not including weight training and all of that stuff. He was working on his game that much. Now, that's maniacal. That's crazy. But that's what gets you drafted number yep. two in the NBA draft. I mean, and so it, it is amazing how are these kids? Because I remember when I went to college and was looking at possibly being a walk-on, and then I met some of the walk-ons when I was at USC, and I met some of the guys who were on the team. Those guys' workouts were lifting 40s at the end of the week. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was like that was that was the workout was was partying and taking advantage of it. It's a different world now, man. These kids are working yeah. so hard. They all have personal trainers. They all have that yeah. stuff. And they're doing all the workouts through the strength and conditioning program. And boys, the, so if the, you ever wonder how hard these guys are working, don't. They're and, doing the, and the kids who go play overseas, man, they 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 make some good money, but they work at their game. I mean, it's not just okay. I'm not NBA worthy, so I'm now I'm just going to go over there and play. But they they're professionals now, and they at that level. But that there has been an interesting summer. I've done that a couple. My son is working for this trainer, and he's been up to Northwestern to train some guys. They go on the road and travel to places as well, trying to build up um, even more clients. So uh, I have a little something coming out in the community. The The film was a little – filming was a little shaky, uh, but I think it'll be good once I get it edited. So I'll have that out. But, man, we need to just sit back and go, these guys work hard. They may have had a bad game, but they if they're worth it, they're they're working hard. It's not because it's not they're not working, yeah. Yeah. All right, we ready to go? All right, here we go. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! Andy, you're muted. Oh, what a shame. That was really good. It was a great <laughs> intro. It was really it was good. Is that all way? timer and it's lost. It was time. really just fantastic. Um anyway, so welcome back to the Assembly Call of Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And uh before we get into our off season uh review preview of CJ Gunn, uh want to hit a couple back home network items. Uh one it's going to be a new show, Right Up Meridian, which is a Pacers podcast. going to be hosted by Scott Caulfield and uh, Tony Dryan. So looking forward to that for all the Pacers fans out there. And then uh, doing the work, a couple quick updates there. Uh, they just interviewed Amy Matheny from the 1983 Big Ten title team. Heard good things about that. I have that uh, on my list to try to uh, listen to tomorrow on a work day with far fewer meetings. I've had the last couple. Uh, and then on July 11th, they're interviewing freshman Lene Beaumont as well. So good chance for Hoosier fans to get to know her a little bit prior to the season. Uh, so lots of good stuff in the off season from Jeff and Kathy as well. So appreciate them for uh, 
for doing that. And uh, with that, we'll kind of shift into our main topic. We, Coach and I were talking about this before uh, we came on. As you look for players to preview, returning players to preview for the upcoming season, the options are limited. Uh, we've already done Malik Renew. Uh, we'll do Trey Galloway at some point, but wanted to try to have Tony uh, on for that one as he did a good breakdown uh, of him in the IU film room. So I thought it would be a good chance for him to talk through some of that. So we opted to go with C.J. Gunn, and, and he's a guy who, as we look ahead to his sophomore season, I think will, you know, is one of the the swing players, if you will, in terms of what IU can be coming into the season, just based on what the roster looks like right now. Uh, not a ton uh, of experience at the shooting guard, or not a ton of depth, at least, at the shooting guard position. You've got Galloway, who seems at this point likely to start there. Um, but, uh, you know, CJ is going to have some opportunities. And so, you know, as we look back to his freshman year, you know, it's kind of a, a normal freshman year, I guess, in, in some ways of, of a guy, uh, where he was, uh, ranked from a recruiting perspective. So played 10, 10.5% of available minutes for IU from an offensive rating standpoint, he finished at 78.8. That was, uh, quite a bit lower in conference play and against tier A and B competition, uh, as we look at that, I don't know that that's shocking given the types of situations he was typically in when he was uh, coming into those games, but uh, used 20% of possessions when he was in with one of the higher usage rates uh, on the team. I think, again, as a guy who typically was coming in late in games of uh, either where IU was up uh, or down by a decent amount, um, I, I think that's not overly shocking. You know, the big thing that people will talk about, and rightfully so, is the shooting numbers. Uh, you know, got to the line five times made four or five from there, which is a good sign shot 15 of 31 on twos, but just two of 24 uh, on threes, including O of 10 and big 10 play. We'll obviously talk about that because his ability to, to show some of the shooting prowess that he showed in high school is going to go a long way uh, for this team. This season assist rate, just a little bit above nine turnover rate, not outrageous by any stretch, a little bit below uh, 10. And really when you look, you know, steal percentage was 4.0. That's that's good. We'll talk about him defensively in a minute. Um, you know, got called for a decent number of fouls for 40 minutes. But again, just not a huge sample size of him. If you look at the last 14 games of the season, he played in just two of those games. And so if you want to look at the highlights for him from an in-game perspective, uh, these are the two games where his offensive rating was over 100. One was the Elon game. Uh, the lesson here is that my mom and I should attend all games because this is when he played the best. Uh, a 133 offensive rating, played 19 minutes. Uh, IU had some guys out in that game, so he got a little bit more extended run, had 11 points, uh, You know, made four of six on twos, one of four on threes, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, a good all-around game from him. And that one, the other game with the, uh, the over 100 offensive rating came against Miami of Ohio, uh, where he had five points, two assists, two steals, and played 18 minutes. So, you know, again, if you're looking just at the stats, John, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot that we're going to be able to draw conclusions from as a, as a springboard uh, as we look forward there. So let's talk offense first. Um, you know, shooting for him is the key. There's no way to sugarcoat it. The numbers last year were not good. Uh, again, we can attribute that to – a number of different things. So Ryan, as you look at his shooting and, and kind of go back to, uh, you know, to, to look at those things, do you, what do you attribute that to? Is it shot selection, shot form, nerves, just being a freshman, like kind of where do you, where do you come down on what led to him shooting the ball from deep the way that he did? 
it's it's a little bit of a gumbo. It's a little bit of everything there. Um, I, I think that the shot form is actually nice. I mean, you saw it in high school. It looked like he was replicating it in college. Coach can speak to that as well. It looked like he was replicating his shot form. I think being a freshman, you get sped up, especially a freshman who is, you know, how many minutes did he average a game? I just had it pulled up. Seven minutes a game in 20, over 20 games. Okay, so he played rough, little, little more than half the season, and he averaged seven minutes a game, which means that a lot of that was probably early in the season. You know, he's not playing seven minutes a game in the Big Ten. Um, so I think that what happened is he got onto a college court. The adrenaline is flowing. You overshoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You speed yourself up. You're not used to guys your height closing out at you that fast. Your height or bigger closing out at you that fast. You rush things. Got to get the shot off. Got to get the shot off. Got to get the shot off. And that speeds you up. And then what happens as you settle in, you're aware that you've been sped up. And so then you're overcompensating in other ways. And so it gets in your head, especially as a shooter. And as a shooter, if you're thinking, you're missing. And so he took 24 three-pointers as a freshman and made two of them. And he missed a lot at the end of the season. So I really think it got in his head. And I think he got sped up. And I think that that there are issues with adrenaline when you play. And this is why we always say guys get better when they play in games. I don't care how much practice you play. Practice, you can hone your skills a little bit and – you know, find some things out about yourself. And if you're going up against a good opponent, you know, you'll, you'll develop a little bit, but where you improve is by playing games because a game atmosphere cannot be replicated in practice. It just can't, no matter how many times people say, no, the way we practice is like a game. No, it's not. And so I think that what happens with adrenaline, a lot of times you get out there and you're too fast. You're jumping higher than you normally would. You're releasing faster than you normally would thinking you're doing it all the same and then what happens is if you play a decent number of minutes you start to come down from that and you crash way below where you normally would and maybe you're because you've expended so much energy being so fired up and this is why you see teams who come out fired up in games hit lulls where other teams come back on them it's because you crash through that floor and then you really have to labor to pick yourself back up and so cj i saw some of that with him where he just came out just shot out of the cannon with energy and then you could see him kind of dip below and trying to keep up with it. And then your legs are a little heavy when you're jumping. So you're not jumping as high as you normally would on your shot and all of that. So I think it's just a lot of things compounded because if you look at the actual form and his release, it looked fine. He was just missing. And a lot of, and again, another factor is when you start missing as a shooter, you start aiming. And when you're aiming and thinking, you're missing. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And I think that it's something when he settles down and matures within the game, his shot will be fine. I think it'll be something to be counted on. I'm not saying he's going to shoot 40% this year, but the shot form is that of a guy who could shoot at a high level. Coach, what did you see from him from a shooting standpoint? I come here for all the excellent takes that Ryan has. I just, I agree. You need game rep. Um, yeah. Is he going to get them early? Is he going to get them at the middle of the year? Is he going to get them later in the year? That's the question. It, it's, it's not that his form or his ability to score. It's you learn the college game by playing the college game. I think that's you know what Ryan said is, is why you saw the numbers. Uh, what I did like is that I, don't, I didn't see him being shy. He might have at some point, as Ryan said, come down a little bit, but he – if the shot was there, he has an offensive mindset, which really is going to help this team. It's not this we're just going to run stuff. Like, he wants to score. 
I, I just seem it seems like that when you watched him play. Very aggressive on the drive to the rim, in transition, getting out and running the floor and getting some buckets that way. He is an athlete. This is what you know. I, I have no idea. I cannot pr- predict what CJ Gunn is going to do, but I'm excited because he's long, he's athletic, and he's got what I believe to be a scorer's mentality. Had it in high school. Yeah. If he can, he's not find shy. It, He's not shy, and you need that in college. Uh, you know, I, I was talking in the break about this trainer, and, and he says he tells his guys every time you grab the ball, you're zero for zero. Like whether you made the last one or missed the last one doesn't matter. You got to have that mentality. I think that's CJ's potentially CJ's strength. It's just when does he learn how to do that in the offense, in game situations, uh, and, and trust his form. I think if I could add something to what Ryan said is trust your form, trust your ability. Don't try to go too fast. Don't try to wish it in. Don't try to be something you're not. Just be C.J. Gunn and put the ball in the basket. But if he gets 10 to 20 minutes at some some run that way off the bench, I think you're going to see number. You're going to see numbers get better, just, just how much. But um, I'm kind of excited about that because I love people who are, who are aggressive with their offensive mindset, especially at the guards. Well, let's be real. There's nothing wrong with his effort, energy, no. intent, energy. Nothing wrong with that. It's just – but to get on the floor on this team, he's going to be able to need to do something unique, and that's going to be shoot the ball. Because Caleb Banks is longer and bigger, and he's going to be more of a guy who gets in the paint and mixes things up. You know, that's not going to be – that's not going to be C.J. Gunn's thing. C.J. Gunn's thing is going to have to be shooting the basketball. And, fellas, yeah, I, I think, think... – Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. The Defensively, he was the same way. I don't think yeah. he was great defensively. He was handsy and fouled, and get, but he was getting up. He wanted to stop the ball. And with his length, I, so I, you saw a kid who was hungry to get out on the court. If he does uses that hunger in his physical workouts and his basketball workouts and then put that with experience, there's a chance that he can really have a good a bump from his freshman numbers. Yeah, that's similar to what I was going to say. I think what you saw from him on both ends of the floor was he was trying to do stuff fast and aggressive. And sometimes that was worth his benefit, and sometimes it didn't. Uh, I think, you know, there were times when he would come in, and I think this is true of a lot of players in that scenario, particularly early in the season. You know, you get in and some of these buy games and, and mop-up duty, and you're trying to put your imprint on the game to try to figure out how I'm going to get more minutes. And I think he really – I think that, you know, uh, lack of shyness, if you will, with putting the ball up. I mean, he came in, he was ready to fire, and and – I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. I do think as he looks to expand his role on the team, have to figure out where that fits in as a guy who, you know, in some of those late game mop-up lineups, there's not really a hierarchy of who's going to take shots. There's not really a, oh, this guy's option A in this scenario. For him this year, though, his goal is to be able to play more with the starters and put himself in some of those situations. So I think it'll be an adjustment period as well and maybe one that helps him settle in a little bit of – Hey, you're on the floor with the starters a bit more. You are not option A, B, or C more than likely. How do you transition into being a more complementary role? Maybe that's a spot up shooter. Maybe that's some different things like that. I don't know uh, whether that you know helps or hinders his development, but I do think seeing him with a different group of players in different game situations um, will be somewhat revealing. Even though there's still some buy games at the beginning of the season where maybe he can get his feet under him a little bit get some confidence, which, you know, he shoots the ball a little bit better in some of those situations last year. Be curious to know what his development looked like. I I think that would go a long way to telling whether it really became mental or not. 
um, as you look at it that way. But it, so as we as we look forward, coach, it, it, obviously everybody wants him to take this huge step forward offensively and be able to uh, you know be a more reliable shooter and scorer. What, what do you think is realistic from a progression standpoint? I know when you guys did the minutes breakdown, you and Jared ended up with him at about 14 minutes a game. I'm not sure there's a player with a wider range of potential minutes played than him uh, on the team. But, you know, as you think about what that median outcome might be, you know, what do you think is reasonable to expect from him uh, as fans yeah. look at it this season? I think he's going to come off the bench, and I think you know you're looking at 15, 16 minutes. If you could get six to eight points a game from him, that's fantastic, um, and that's an average. You'll have some games that pop, but I think what what did Miller Cop average last year? Just seven, eight, something like that. If if he could, I mean, he doesn't have to replace Miller Cop's production because Miller was a starter there. But if he could hit a couple threes, a game or or a three, and a, and a couple breakout. Uh, fast break when you you look at those I know the competition and it was probably mop-up time but Elon in Miami he got 18 and 19 minutes and he was productive and he was productive across the board rebounds assist steals you know so again what Ryan said is if he gets on the court he's going to do a lot of things Uh, he does need to fix that shooting but I I don't see why he doesn't help Indiana at the six to seven uh, points per game uh, playing 16 17 minutes uh, and doing a lot of things across the board. Uh, I've been big this year. I think the best thing Indiana's going to do, and we don't talk about it, is rebound. I think C.J. Gunn can help rebound with, with the way. I think Mbako can rebound. I think the rebounding of the go-get is important. So there's some skills that he provides that will, you know, if he can do that at the college level, and for me it's when. You know, I have no idea when. It could be his junior year when he's ready to, to produce those types of minutes. It could be at the start of next year. I just think he's going to be a pretty solid player once that uh, once he pops. Yeah, I, I think it's what's interesting to look at is to look from January on what C.J. Gunn was doing on the floor. And you see, and specifically minutes-wise, 14, 9, 9, 8, 5, 1, 2, 2, 9. And that's not every game. It's really hard to play and to play well when you don't get regular minutes and you don't have a consistent set thing. A role player has to know their role. And if you don't carve out, and, and again, he's a freshman, so it's hard to carve out a role on a team that's trying to compete for a Big Ten championship. Spiro, that was, that was Indiana's goal this year, was to compete for a Big Ten championship. It's hard to find a freshman a consistent role unless they're a five-star who you have big plans for, like a Jalen hood Shafino. It's hard to find that consistent role for that guy. And so what he did as a freshman, it's hard to judge fully. As we said, it's a small sample size. It also is an inconsistent sample size because he'd go a week without playing and then be in for five minutes. And you're like, well, CJ Gunn didn't do anything. Well, yeah, of course not. He's not comfortable. And so this year is going to have to be different. And, and, and it's on the coaching staff to make him comfortable as well as it is on CJ for carving himself out that role. There's competition now uh, for, for minutes, whether it's front court guys or back court guys, there's going to be a lot of competition. And so he's got to establish himself. Now I think he's got a leg up because he's got a year in the system and he's shown that he can be an energy guy, shown that he can play some defense, shown that he can do some things. Now it's on him to take that next step and be able to knock down a shot when he's re- relied upon. And, and make those moves. So 
it is a really interesting, he's a really interesting player coming into this year because it's untapped potential completely. I mean, he doesn't have anything as a freshman really to hang his hat on, except for that he showed energy. He showed willingness. He wasn't shy. Now he's got to do all of those things and make a positive impact, which is the step that he has to take. We're looking to replace um, Tamar's production, right, in some ways. And I think CJ has a skill set of rebounding and defending that might be better than Tamar, where Tamar was probably better offensively early. Uh, but that guard off the bench is where CJ's needs to yep. produce. And so can he get to some level of what Tamar had? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. When Tamar, when Tamar was good, he was real good. He shot that three consistently, you know, with confidence, came off his hand great. Uh, you know, he'd make some mistakes here and there, but when he was good, you knew how you could see how much better he made the team. CJ's got to be that guy. You're right, coach. Hopefully more consistently. Yeah, and I think what you saw from him, at least as you, as you kind of project forward with what Mike Woodson likes, you know, defensively was not something that he was known for. That was a big question mark with him in last year. And he really put forth great effort on that end of the floor. As you said, Coach, he was a little bit handsy at times, just a little bit amped up. But but from a attentiveness to defense and really you know, trying to go out and be aggressive, put pressure on the ball and things like that, I think he – set a good foundation for himself in that regard. And that, as we know, is an important way to get yourself into the rotation on a, on a Mike Woodson coach team. So I think he set himself up there and, and maybe that gives him the opportunity to get a little bit more run to settle in a little bit and the offense comes. Uh, and I think as a complimentary piece and a lot of what, you know, the lineups that he's going to be a part of, there certainly won't be, he will not be the focal point of opposing defenses. So if he's able to evolve a little bit, knock down a couple shots, uh, the opportunities will be there because because of that. And I think the other thing is we you know, kind of tie that in a little bit with some of the things that Ant Wright was talking about last week with playing Mabako at the four. You know, a big domino that needs to fall in some ways in order to do that is the development of cj gunn so that he could potentially be the three he's got the length to defend that position or galloway could you know slide over there um but it becomes hard to construct a lineup with mabako at the four if you're not getting good production out of cj gunn at least in stretches not that you want to do that all the time but i think that's the other piece of his development that becomes important and why he ends up being one of the real X factors on this team in terms of whether they get close to the ceiling or what they don't. Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts? I think we hit, you know, most of the, uh, most of the key, you know, thoughts and, uh, and, and topics like that, you know, coach, I know you talked about, uh, we, we talked about playing time. I'll kind of throw this to you to, to wrap up with any other thoughts on him. You guys had him at, you know, 14 minutes a game. As you look back at doing that exercise, uh, how, w would you revise that? How do you see that that playing out based on, you know, maybe a couple weeks to reflect on, on doing that? If he develops, those minutes are going to go up. I mean, that's kind of a simple answer, a Mr. Obvious answer, right? Um but I think if Indiana is to be as successful as possible, uh, I, I think those minutes need to be higher because then that means he brings that shooting aspect, right? If not, you're searching for those combinations of, of guys to, to find. And, um, you know, I'm not saying if he gets lo less minutes than that, Indiana's going to struggle. But I think he is a component. We just don't know how much he's going to grow this summer 
in the collegiate game. If he grows fast and can provide some scoring off the bench, I think it helps Indiana, and those minutes uh, will go up, and you'll see probably Trey, you know, his minutes drop a little bit, and if you do go to a smaller lineup, maybe he gets, you know, the 15 through 17, 18 minutes, those extra three or four minutes at the three, uh, the old traditional three. So I would like – I'd, I'd keep it there. I think that's fair with where he performed last year. But, boy, I'd like to see that go up given his skill set. But he's got to earn it, and, and we won't know that until, you know, November. Yep. Ryan, final thoughts on uh, CJ as you look ahead to the season? I think there's a lot of upside there over the next three years, not just this year, but over the next three years. And I think the first step to that is establishing himself as a really nice bench player this year. Because, look, if you can shoot the ball at his size, at, at what is he, 6'5", if you can shoot the ball at his size in the Big Ten, you can go a long way. You can be a very key piece to a very good team. And then you build from there. And, and I think this is a guy who, if he has a good sophomore year, could be a starter his junior year as the guy who comes off of screens, hits threes, plays solid defense, makes himself bigger than he is on, on both ends of the floor. But he's got to be able to take that next step and just provide valuable minutes. And, and I think that there was value in what he provided last year just from an energy standpoint. Now you've got to like add that added value of produce, production, You know, get yeah. that part of it. And then you start taking that next step in your career. This year is going to be a great testing ground to see what CJ Gunn can become. Can he settle into the college game? And, and if he does that, I really think there's a good trajectory for him at Indiana to be a really key player down the road. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it'll be important to just see what does his growth curve look like? How much of a step forward does he take as you start projecting him as a guy who really always – from the beginning of coming into IU projected as a figure guy that you look to build over time. It's just a matter of how steep that curve gets Take those steps. You actually and, have to take the I, steps. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so I think he, he's a guy to really, as, as you start thinking about things to watch at the beginning of the season, we'll all be excited about the team and getting to see this iteration of the team, but he's a guy really in particular to look at and can he build some confidence over the first handful of games that'll springboard him into the rest of the season. I think those first few games are, really really critical for him and he's gonna get opportunities in those games so just as you're thinking about you know storylines other than oh how much did they win by against some of these teams or different things like that you know his play is a guy to really watch as you know potentially is there a, a sign of what we're going to get from him uh over the course of the season so all right well that'll do it for our preview of cj gunn certainly a guy uh we'll be looking at quite a bit this upcoming season uh, but coming up next on Assembly Call Radio, it's mailback time. we got a, a few great questions from you, and we'll answer them all next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, something we, we didn't mention is like he's the lead front runner for those Tamar minutes. Like you got two he freshmen really coming. You got Cups and Newton, yeah. right? Um, and Leo. Yeah. Those are the guys who could challenge him. Well, for and you those don't know. Spots, I mean, right? I mean Newton's, and Newton's been cleared, but you don't know how right. aggressively so, he's going to be able to play early and things like that. So there's a little pressure on him to step up to those Tamar yeah. minutes. Really? Right? And, and look, it, you know, it's getting to the point with the players that IU is, is, has been able to bring in. If you don't step up, somebody else will do it for you, you know, and they'll step yeah. over you. And, and that's really, this isn't Archie Miller's, you know, recruiting thing where you got three years of string to, to figure something out. This is, you got to play and you got to step up. And I, I think CJ has got a great attitude. I, I do. I, I think that he realized he recognizes what the issues were last year. It seems um, just based on who I've talked to and, and he, you know, he came in with a great, idea. he was always in with energy. He never slumped his shoulders. He's aggressive. All of those things. It's just, it's just a matter of converting that energy into production. We got two guys, which is like the hardest that. thing, which is the hardest thing for kids in college to do. You can have a good attitude. You can have energy. You can have athleticism, but turning that into actual production yeah. is, is what separates guys who wind up out and guys who wind up, you know, succeeding. So both of those I, guys, I CJ and Banks, came and Banks, in and and yeah. didn't hesitate. Like they were all yep. over the place. Banks rebounding and tipping the ball and getting hustle plays, and that's what that's what gives me uh, some excitement about both of those guys. And, and you're absolutely right. You got to produce. You can't just run around and you know get rebounds and tip. For sure, you've got to you've got to do some things on on the defensive side and on the offensive side in order to earn that. But they could have you know. Oh, I'm a freshman and not be ready. Their number got called and just yeah. go in and, you know, I'm only going to get two or three minutes. But they, I think they made the most out of their minutes from that energy standpoint. Now it's skill uh, that has to be yeah. displayed. It's converting. Yeah. I mean, it's just converting that yep. that energy to, to positive, you know, position, uh, positional basketball and, and, and fulfilling it. Because there's good players on this team now, man. You know, I mean, there's going to be times that Gabe Cups is in there off the ball. There's going to be, you know, and, and there's times that, He'll be in there with Trey Galloway at the backcourt, and CJ's going to have to carve out his minutes. Yep. All right. You guys ready to hit these Here. few questions? And, uh, Let's do it. Go from there. Here All we right. go. I'll try to get it this time. Yeah. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jarrett, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Hi, I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonstoni and Ryan Phillips. And uh, you're listening to Assembly Call Radio. And uh, now it's time for our mailbag. These questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, guys, not unlike uh, the Hoosier headlines, a little bit light on uh, on questions this week, but we do have a few good ones here. Uh, first one from JD DeFreeze. What is an off-season IU basketball storyline that no one is talking about that you think is important for the future of the program? Ryan? 
wait, say that again. It cut out. What is an, yeah. What is an off season IU basketball storyline that no one is talking about that you think is important for the future of the program? Oh, wow. Uh, I, you know, I think people are talking about it, but maybe not enough is just how many guys in the 24 and 25 class they are getting on campus and recruiting very hard. And I think people are talking about it. I think that guys, people like us talk about it, but I don't think nationally it's getting any attention. Indiana is in on more players for the next two recruiting classes than anybody. Now, do they get any of those guys? No. I mean, you know, no. Uh, did they get all those guys? I mean, no. But they could get a few of them, and I think that elevates IU as a program. But I do think that's an interesting storyline to watch over the next few weeks. Um, just where this goes with those recruitments, because those guys are going to start committing pretty soon, and it's really going to be telling for the direction of the program. Can they start snagging some of these guys on the longer recruitments? Because Indiana's success has been in short burst recruitments, the transfer portal, and Jalen Hutchavino, and that's it. So can they win some of these long ones? Uh, will be very telling for the future of the program. Coach, what about you? Well, I have a couple, and I don't know if one's really a storyline, but more, more of a question is I think this is an important year with the roster turnover to find some success uh, because it's going to be a, a, you know, with the transfer portal, are we a program that can change six, seven guys, bring six, seven guys in and continue to advance the program. I, I think, you know, I don't think you have to go and be a four seed necessarily to advance, but we don't want to take a step back because of the continuity. The talent is there, but there's a lot of questions on this team. So I'm not sure that's a storyline. More of a question for me is um, how, how are our coaching staff and our players going to do without Trace Jackson, without Grace Thompson, uh, some of those guys that brought the program along. I think this is a big year, and it's important because you don't want to have a roller coaster program. You want to keep building. So, uh, if that's a storyline, is I, but more so than that, the number of Indiana guys that are coming back to play for Woodson, and, and and again, I have been very cautious with Mike Woodson, but boy, he seems to have a lot of uh, players recruiting uh, that are paying attention to him. But when you get Calvert back, and and when you get Halls back. I just think that speaks that the program is doing a lot of things well, and and I, it gets talked about when Calbert has a, you know, media availability or someone gets hired. But I, I really think that this program has been built to continue to be successful, and that class that Ryan talked about is going to be huge in in that next big step of of quality players. Mike Woodson needs talent. Uh, he coaches better when he has talent. And I know that's again another Mr. Obvious. Every coach does, right? Um but there are some coaches that can really, you know, take teams that aren't as talented and win. Uh, but Mike Woodson needs to win the recruiting and so we'll be interesting to see that. But I, I think it's very important to get these guys that have played at Indiana, respect Coach Woodson. I think that then helps in the recruiting and the on the court coaching as well. Yeah, I mean, at some point, this all, you know, any avenue you take on this one probably ties back to recruiting in, in some form or fashion. Um, you know, for me, I guess I'll talk and in, in a little bit of this goes with with some of the CJ gun conversation. But but to me, it's kind of the development of the maybe less heralded recruits that I use got on the roster. So whether that's a Gabe Cups, whether that's Caleb Banks, whether that's CJ Gunn. What, what kind of roles do those guys carve out? Because getting them to, to be part of the foundation allows you to, to know what swings you need to take from a recruiting standpoint, where your priorities really lie, 
what you have at key positions, especially in the backcourt, where there really is not a ton of depth on this team. But if you are able to see Cups show enough that, hey, he can be, you, you know, he can be a foundational piece. You see Gunn take a step. He can be a guy that we can count on here. And then you work to surround those guys with some of these top-end recruits and and already know that you've got valuable role players. All that goes back to building a program. All that goes back to you know, what you need to do and what you need to accomplish in recruiting and things that you can show people who may not be as highly regarded from a recruiting standpoint, but to be able to continue to tell that story of player development and some of those kinds of things. So, you know, those are really two guys. I think the front court depth, it's, it's hard to think that something's not going to work out there. Um, you know, whether the players are not exactly, you know, the guys that you think are going to get the minutes may not be that way. I think there's enough options there where you feel pretty good about that part of the team. I think for me, it's the backcourt. You've got X coming back from injury. You know, Cups has to step up and be the guy behind him. You've got Galloway likely the starting two guard, you know, unless something happens here in the next handful of weeks. But Gunn is a is a critical swing player. And, and so I think not only do those guys have the chance to really help this year, but it's also what they mean for the future that is, is as important in some ways and, and kind of helps you, Coach, as you talk about, figure out, okay, we're going to be a perennial tournament team. You're going to do all those things. You need – those kinds of guys to hit and to do well and to develop in order to do that. All right. Next one from Jim Tom Hoosier. Do you think there will be eventually, or do you think there will eventually be tweaks to the transfer portal rules? What do you think those changes might be? Uh, I think Ryan, they've already, I feel like some changes came out somewhat recently or at least some proposed changes. So you might be closer to that than me. Um, but I'll kind of let you give an update on that. And and if you think there's anything else that might be coming down the pipe in in terms of, uh, portal changes. Well, they've created windows now for transfers where you got to announce your transfer. I don't think you have to transfer by a certain date, but you have to enter by a certain date and then it stops and it closes and you, then you commit. And then there's another window open. That's kind of standardizing it a little. Um, I think they may tweak those dates a little bit based on when the season ends and the NCAA tournament and all of that stuff. Um, Because I think some people were unhappy that the teams that were currently still alive in the tournament had to come from behind. in a lot of those recruitments, it's not fair to the teams that do well and make the tournament, you know, uh, to, to not be able to have those players in because they're focused on actually playing games. Um, And they also, you know, it's up for grad transfers. You can transfer at any time if you're a graduate student and you can, commit anytime if you're a graduate student. So that, that will always be that way. Cause those guys don't have a connection to any school. They're graduates. Um, but yeah, I think that you might see some schedule tweaking on that stuff. Like when the window opens, when it closes, things like that. Uh, I don't know if you're going to see any more restrictions. Um, they could say something like, you know, you can only take two transfers a year or something like that. But I think that would be unfair because your whole roster can transfer away if it wants to. You know, so you've got to be able to fill in that roster. I think any of those restrictions would would cause problems. Uh, I, so I don't see any other ways they could do it other than minor tweaks. And and really, I haven't heard any good ones. Some people have said like, you know, your first year at a school, you can't take an NIL deal or something. It's like, why? You know, that doesn't seem fair. Like, you know, it's it, yeah. I mean, like recruits are able to take whatever they want when they show up on campus. It's any different for a transfer. So. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I think the one thing that might happen is right now you're seeing guys declare for the draft and enter the portal. There might be, you know, maybe put something on that. Like you can either declare for the draft or enter the portal, but if you declare for the draft to come back, you got to go back to your school, then 
enter the portal. You got to make a decision by this date, you know, and sort of change that a little because there were a lot of teams left in limbo, both that wanted to recruit those guys, their current school, and, you know, whether or not they were going to make their NBA decision. So you're really holding a lot of people hostage with one move. So I could see that maybe get tweaked in some way. Like by this day, you have to decide if you're, you know, maybe make the draft declaration day earlier or make the transfer portal day a certain time or, or something like that. I could see that. Other than that, there's really, I mean, these kids are allowed to do to go wherever they want and they're allowed to leave. And as long as that's the case, they can't put a whole lot of restrictions on them. So it's, we've seen it for years in professional sports, player empowerment, and now it's made its way to college sports. And this is the new reality. Players are going to have the power because without them, none of this exists. And people want to watch good players. And if you kick out all of the best players because they do things like transfer or they want NIL deals or whatever, you're going to get a worse product. And that is not what TV deals want. Coach, any tweaks you'd like to see or anything you want to add here? The, the only thing and I've come a long way in favor of the players over the transfer portal and the NIL. But some of these guys seem to be transferring three or four times. And and I guess there's if the coach leaves and all that kind of stuff that uh, in play. But maybe, you know, uh, if you transfer in your first four years, you can't grad transfer. Um, I, I don't know. Uh but again, you're limiting the number of transfers. There has to be some rule, or these guys can jump ship. But you've seen some guys that have played on three or four basketball uh, programs over the year of their their eligibility, and I, I don't quite get that. And again, I don't want to be the old man get off my lawn. I do think there are reasons why a player goes to a university and needs to move to a different place. But then you know you got to think about it too, and, and if you want to move now or do you want to possibly move later, I think that's part of you know your your job. So the only concern that I have remaining with the transfer portal is simply it just seems like some of these guys are transferring more than the once and the grad transfer. They're sneaking in a third or a fourth, and, and again, if it's if it's the player who benefits from a, a family issue or whatever, obviously I would be in favor of that for the player. But there there have been a lot of those players who have done that, and I'd like to see that stop. Um, I do think it'll just calm down a little bit at some point. It's all new still. Uh, but um, it's just changed uh, basketball, I think, probably for the good. So not a whole lot of messing around for me. Yeah, I think the big thing is you know, Ryan, Ryan touched on just standardizing the, the windows and some of the timelines a little bit to at least not make it a last so long as you're trying to figure some of that out. I think um, you, know, you see some of what they've done with just regular recruiting in, in terms of how they've you know really reshaped what some of those windows are and are not. Uh, so I could see them maybe doing something similar there. And then, you know, Coach, to your point, I think the, the hard part with some of that is if you introduce any level, we've seen this because the way that worked before when everybody would apply for a waiver and whatever, if you introduce any level of subjectivity where you're asking the NCAA to make decisions right. and then make them consistently in line with past precedent, they said, you're probably setting yourself up to be disappointed. <laughs> so I think you got to figure out how to do some of that where you do have, you know, the family situation that people are like, well, they, this person abused this because they didn't really have whatever. I think you run into some of those things and it just gets hard to say, you either draw this line in the sand and say, these are the only things that you can do. But I think any room for interpretation with the NCAA is a, 
right. a ticking time bomb, unfortunately. So it's like you got to figure out ways to do that in a way. And I, and I agree with you. You know, you get some guys. It's a little bit different. You get you run to the last few people that have some of these COVID years and stuff left. But it's like you got these dudes who are like 25, 26 years old. Um, you know, I would have probably enjoyed staying in college for that long as well if I could. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you run into some of these situations and it's like, maybe there's a story to tell with every transfer and the guy who's played at four schools. Maybe there's a perfectly valid reason for it, but it does kind of hit you weird when you see it and be like, how, one, how is this guy still in school? And two, how is this guy transferred this many times to, to do that? But, uh, it gets a little tricky, I think, to actually administer some of the restrictions that you might put around that, but. All right, we'll finish with this one from Drew Patterson. If you could guarantee one of the following for next season, the others like could still one, happen, but only one is guaranteed, which would you choose and why? All right, number one, Kalawair improves his three-point percentage to 34%. Number two, Malik Renew reduces his fouls to three per 40 minutes. Number three, CJ Gunn improves his three-point percentage to 34%. Or number four, Trey averages four-plus three-point attempts Per game, I have thoughts. All right, coach. What, coach, which one are you taking? I, I'm going to take the CJ improves to three point percentage to 34, and I'm going to explain it this way. One, you want Malik to reduce his fouls, but I think we got a couple backups that can play um, for him if needed. Um, I do. Number one was the the one I wanted to stretch the floor. I'm a big believer in the fours and fives stretching the floor. Uh, but if he gets to 33%, he's going to be able to do that because you're going to have to go out and guard him. So he, so I cut that off at, at, at 34. Um, I'm not sure. 33.6%. I like that like your alternative was him him just being 1% lower. Yeah, yeah I love that, lower. Coach. Um, well, I have a technicality I, too. That's gonna. I, I don't mind. I don't mind Trey shoot, shooting, but Trey's there for a lot of other reasons than three-point shooting. So uh, I'm going to go with if CJ hits 34%, then he's going to get some uh, run off the bench. He's going to uh, add to the scoring threat, and that's going to help Indiana. Um, but, man, one, number one is intriguing to me. Um, yeah, one and two are hard to, hard to say no to. All right. all right, Ryan. Ryan apparently has a technicality, so I look. So, forward well, to the, first of all, there are only two valid answers. It's two and four. Malik reduces his fouls to three over forty, and Trey hits four plus three pointers a game. Here's why: because it says no, it's not hits four plus. It's attempts four plus. Oh, oh, attempts. I'm sorry. Then I missed that. No, then two's the only one that matters. Because if if Trey goes back to shooting twenty percent, I don't care how many threes he takes a game. I, I want it to be less. So, no. But the technicality on one and three is it doesn't say how many attempts on that percentage. So if CJ shooting one a game and hitting 34%. So I got, no, I think it's keeping the volume on the floor. Okay. If we're saying for volume, then yeah, Kalel and CJ hitting threes is, is huge. That's not specified. I would say keeping Malik on the floor is going to be huge for this team because he's a pure low post threat. Whereas Kalel's an inside out guy and, and Malik are you him getting into rhythm, I think, offensively is going to be so important. And we saw so many times where he just couldn't because he kept fouling. So that's my initial answer. If we're saying there's volume on the other two, I would say Kalel shooting 34, 100%, because that just moves the floor. It stretches the floor. It allows you to do so much more. You can pick and pop with him. And that opens things up for Malik inside. It opens the wing for other guys. Um, so, yeah, I would say if we're talking volume, I'll say number one with Coach. But if we're not, and we're just saying they're going to shoot 34%, I think it's keeping Malik on the floor as much as possible, let him get in a rhythm. Yeah, my my answer was the the where one. Uh, I didn't I didn't put quite as much 
thought into it apparently as you guys did to try to figure out what the uh, i mean this is our job andy we take it seriously i I, I, i'm sorry that i don't i guess um (laughs) but i um, but you know i I think for all the reasons that you said ryan i mean if Ware is able to step out and shoot that that adds a level of versatility to his game and i use potential of what they can do offensively whether that's opening things up for renew inside or really just opening up driving lanes in general with him being able to do that um because I think that's a skill when you compare him to the other bigs. While we can say there's depth there, he's the one that seems certainly most likely to display that skill. Um, Bernou's shown a little touch, but it feels like a stretch for him to really step out and do a ton of that. And that's not who Sparks is. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that's just something that he can provide that other guys may not be able to uh, within the front court. So I'll, I'll take that one. I think the renew one is, is interesting. You probably get into some technicalities on that one as well, just in terms of like, you know, it's a per 40 minute deal. He could end up with four fouls every game and, and you know, I guess that's not true, but, um, I think you could, you can still get good production out of him, even if he doesn't get to that level. And, you have other guys that you could play in the front court potentially. I guess it's probably the easiest way to say that one. The CJ one is interesting. I, I my initial answer was where, and then as we kind of talked through the stuff with CJ tonight, I was like, I don't know, maybe that is more important because it unlocks some of that lineup versatility that we talked about. But I, I'll stick with where. I think the Galloway one because it's attempts is 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 maybe a harder one to get behind because you don't really know what that means. Now, if you say he attempts that many and maintains the level of shooting that he showed last year, that becomes pretty important and really solidifies the shooting guard position if he's going to end up playing, you know, a ton of minutes there, but uh, I'll go with where, but that was a really good question. Uh, Drew, congratulations. That, that was an excellent, excellent question. Well done. And a great one to end on. So, all right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for live broadcasts or assembly call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logos, and thank you for listening. Take it from me, then. Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. <laughs> and there you oh, have it. Classic. Got some questions about the room real quick. I'm renovating the man cave. We're putting in some new flooring, painting, moving some of the memorabilia around. So I have been moved up to my son's old room, which is the St. Louis Cardinals decor so the the walls on the sides are blue this room will be painted as soon as i get back to the man cave so we're doing doing some renovations how dare house. you i like the inner room i like that uh jen's jen's note in the chat they aren't questions they're accusations <laughs> fantastic perfect all right. Good show, well, fellas. Gents. Yeah. So we'll uh we'll figure out next week probably another off season 
player preview Break would down. be my guess. Uh, likely Probably to Banks, be right? Galloway or Banks, I would imagine, um, as we as we think about that. So I'm going to assume uh, that'll be on the agenda. Although who knows, something else may come up as well. So always good talking to you guys, and uh, we will talk to everybody next week. All right. See you guys. All right. Thanks, Steve. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.